You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral, who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win. This is Power Producers Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Power Producer Shop Talk, and we have another episode with the unbelievably amazing Abby O'Brien, and we're going to talk about what things she is doing in her role as the risk management practice leader here at Florida Risk Partners. You know, I think one of the things that makes Abby really valuable is she takes her job seriously, and you can tell that she was educated in insurance and risk management because she we're not having to train her. She kind of showed up knowing <laughs> some of this stuff. So I guess my first question to you, Abby, is when you go look at loss runs and you go on some to some of the places you and I have been, or even with, and you've been to a couple of visits with Kyle, when you do it in the flesh, when you do it in, in real life, how does that stack up to what you thought you were going to be getting into when you were going through school, getting your degree? Oh, wow. I think that in school, your job is more of an idea than it is a practical thing. So of course, the first, I remember the first meeting we went on, I felt like- Well, I will say this though, you have ADHD, so you're not getting out of this (laughs) by just giving me some political answer. I know when you were sitting in school, you were thinking about what it was going to be like when you went out in the real world and worked. So- And and, and I understand, but the first internship that I had was a very large awakening that school was great of a background, but it's not it's like I, I knew I wasn't going to walk out of FSU and be Miss Insurance and not have anything else to learn. And that was a very different internship, too, though. You were at a wholesaler, correct? Yes, that was that was quite different. I did get more of a background, but that was through their onboarding, which was, I mean, I like to learn, so I enjoyed it. I don't think anybody else would enjoy their onboarding where you just learn about insurance. But that first visit we went on, it was it was much more real than the class. It was cool to see how everything really gets to look in real time. So first time I remember you were just pointing stuff out and you were asking me questions that I felt like I should have known that I did not know. <laughs> so um <laughs> way to make the new kid feel welcome. <laughs> 
it was it was humbling experience. What kind of industry was it? I don't want you to say the account name, but what what industry was it? And then it'll, that'll tell me who it was. It was like construction. Okay, it's who I think it is, right? We were covering for Kyle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So slacker. He's not even going to his own freaking appointments. He's not on the podcast. <laughs> He's not going on appointments. What's this guy doing besides being sick full time? I was going to say him and his family are just like identifying new sicknesses at this point. It's insane. His house is literally a Petri dish that I will stay away from. Yeah. I'm happy for them at distance. Stay healthy. And I don't know if you should come back to the sales meeting on Monday, Kyle. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, I remember it was a construction company that to be honest with you, that was my first time visiting them too. So when I walked in, I'm looking around. I've never seen anything. There are every corner's dusty to me because I hadn't been there before. So I don't necessarily know. I, I feel bad now that that I was pointing things out that you felt like you should have known. That wasn't my intent. My intent was more along the lines of, hey, what do you think about that? Or check this out, or how would you do this or whatever? And it was more just to say, hey, this is this is actually a really good opportunity. There's a lot of stuff here we're gonna be able to fix. It didn't make me feel any type of way besides just that ever-growing mountain of insurance knowledge. I was like, wow, the top is really high today. But I mean, <laughs> I then I've since gone to a couple of the CRM courses and I've read through more lost runs. And so the last time that I went on a visit with you, it was like I could see the red circles everywhere. So we went in and it was like, oh, I can see, I can see now from learning in class, uh, they tell you about loss control, the different aspects of insurance and what, what really the main point of insurance is. And then I got to see exactly why we exist in like <laughs> a 45 minute meeting at an office. Yeah. I, you know, I think the other thing too, when we went to the one manufacturer, when we went out with Chubb to do a site visit for the property for one of my renewals that just happened on January 1, you got to see a Chubb property engineer and an underwriter in action in a really nice account, about $100 million in sales at this point. And it's a relationship that I've had for a number of years. So I know the account like the back of my hand. And, you know, it was interesting because this account had an expansion that was being built. They weren't completely done with it. So they had to sort of rig the uh, inventory storage until that extra 25,000 square feet is ready to go. And I knew walking in that we were going to have some concerns from Chubb on housekeeping because there's more stuff in that area than what there should be. But we also know that it's a very short term thing. So Two lessons for producers. Number one, know what you should be looking for and have an answer. It doesn't need to be an excuse, but an answer. And sometimes the answer is, no, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. I'll get it fixed. But in this case, it was like, look, this is going to be ready to transfer in the next 30 days. I can't have them go sign a contract for offsite storage, spend the money to move this stuff. Not to mention the fact it's expensive stuff. Like they're not, we're talking about computer chips and all kinds of things that could get stolen. They're high pilferage items. It didn't make any sense. So, but you got to see the types of questions they ask and how is the agency we interact both with the underwriter, with the loss control person, and with our client. Because my job at that point is I'm the orchestra conductor. I got to make sure this visit goes exactly the way it needs to. 
and I got to make sure that my client doesn't say anything that's going to get them in trouble, not because my client's doing anything bad. I mean, this. let me be very, very clear. This account is a clean, clean, clean account. It was literally a realistic circumstance that in this situation, they just had some housekeeping issues because they had too much stuff in a smaller area due to the other expansion being under construction. So it's not like we were in there to not offer renewal or jack their rates or anything. It was simply a matter of, let's go in here. Let's make sure they don't say anything stupid in a joking manner or whatever else. Because once you say something, it's like the underwriter who goes and looks at your account on Facebook. I thought you had a pool service. It shows here you're cutting down trees. Well, you can't ever erase that from their mind at that point. So it's really important for the producers to be at those meetings. I don't know how many times I go to a meeting with a new client and they tell me it's the first time that an agent has ever shown up. Now, this goes back like 20 some years. I remember the very first like large, large middle market account that I wrote. It was just shy of a million dollars in premium. And I remember the the VP of ops asking me if I wanted to come participate in the backflow testing for the sprinkler system. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is backflow testing on the sprinkler system? Had no clue what it was. I'm like, oh, yes, sir. I participate in all those visits. So I did. And I went and I watched what they did. And I watched it happened to be Chubb again. But I watched the, the Chubb uh, risk engineer go out, perform the testing, talk about the results, all of that. Then we went, we had lunch, shot the breeze a little bit. And now I have a loss control person from a carrier who I still have a relationship with to this day because I showed up when others didn't. The client told me, he goes, I was only half kidding when I said, are you going to show up for the backflow testing? I would never expect you to show up. But there I was, suit and tie, standing in the parking lot, letting my dress shoes get absolutely destroyed because water was everywhere. But it made an impact on the client too. And so I, I think it's really cool when you can can do those things for your clients. But from your perspective, I have to believe that there was some general eye-opening experience, and I know this is not just a one-visit thing, but an ongoing thing of, okay, well, we went in, we found the things that were wrong, we showed them the things that were wrong. Why aren't they doing anything about the things that are wrong? Why, you know, why aren't they cooperating with this? Why don't, why don't we, why can't we get them on our side? And so I think that's probably for me, if I tried to put myself in your shoes, I think that would probably be the most eye-opening thing is how somebody can run a business, know they have issues, but yet not put effort into fixing them. I mean, it's just as like, I mean, you can bring the horse to the water, but you can't make the horse drink. So I, I can show them all the ways and I can hope that they take that what they want to and really try to implement it. But I mean, Im implementing the stuff that we're doing isn't, isn't a long-term of a year, two year, three year, four year, five year difference that you would notice. It's something you would notice within, I'd say around a year, the year mark, your employees will be, your work environment is much safer. That is the whole goal. Ideally, you will lower your premiums because you have less claims in the long run. But really, I mean, I'd rather just less people get hurt. So it's, I right. just try I mean, to, it, try to push the one that part, part of it's the business aspect, but the other part of it is you have a responsibility, right? You have a responsibility as an employer to return your employees to their families in the same condition that they came to you that morning or as close to it as possible 
if God forbid they have some sort of an injury. And I, I remember one time this one hit me, hit me really hard, but we had an account where they had an employee who got injured and this person did something they shouldn't have done. They, they bypassed a guard and I'm not going to go into the gory details, but the, the short version is they got degloved, meaning all the skin was pulled off of the bones on their hand, just like a glove. And it took a lot of surgery, a lot of skin grafting, and the CEO of the company ended up bringing this person back to work and put them at the guard shack at the front of the property to monitor people coming in and out, check your IDs and all of that stuff. And we were engaged with them for a very short period of time when we had an all-hands-on-deck meeting, and we had the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the VP of Ops, like everybody and their brother was in there. And we were talking about that specific claim. And the VP of Ops, who was an extremely cynical ex-metal worker, pounds his fist on the table and said, I am so sick and tired of seeing that guy at the gate every time I come in. It just reminds me of how many frauds there are in this system. He should have been fired. He bypassed a guard. He did this and he did that. And I'm thinking, oh. Okay, let's see how this goes down, because here we are. We're not the agent. We're not getting paid to consult yet. We're like literally in the meeting to close the deal. And the CEO of the company looked at him and said, I'm glad he's there because every single day I come to work and every single day I leave work. He's a reminder to me that it's my responsibility ultimately to make sure that the people on my team are returned to their families in exactly the same condition that they came to me that morning. I failed him as much as he failed us, and I'll never let that leave my mind. And moving forward, we will never have problems like that again. And I'm like, wow. Next thing you know, the VP ops no longer in the picture a couple of years later or a couple of weeks later, and that company had a dramatic change in their approach, but more importantly, their performance. It was a night and day difference. But it goes back to the CEO bought into the vision. It starts with the leadership. It starts with that person having the vision. You know, the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we wrap this episode up, and I think this is important because even if you're a producer, you could learn from this and you're because you may not have a resource like, in fact, you don't have Abby in your agency, but you, you don't, may not have that resource. One of the things that I'm always impressed with that Abby does is she shows up ready. She's always prepared. And it was a very good feeling for me, not just as the producer on an account, but also as the agency principal, when we were riding to the last meeting that we had, it was probably an hour and a half drive uh, with traffic. And she had printed out the loss runs. She had read them. She had identified trends. And we were able to have a conversation about all of that stuff on the way to the client's location. And she nailed it. She knew all the things that the workers comp said were going on and basically had solutions for all of them and highlighted that most of them were completely avoidable if we just did some of the right things. So what I think would be beneficial for the people listening is to hear you talk just a little bit about what you do to prepare to go into an appointment with one of us like that. I think that it's really important to try to get a big picture of the client that you're going in beforehand. So I like to have the loss runs 
so that I can not just see that they had an accident on January 15th of 2023 last year and not be specific about it. I need to know why the accident happened. That's really like the main question in risk management, I think, is why. And so most of them answer that question in the claims notes. I go through that and I think out of the stuff that I'm trying to offer this client through our tech stack, what's something that I think would aid in this solution? So if if they're having a problem with, let's say they have a few claims where it looks like they don't have safeguards in place. That Which seems that was like- the case. That was the case in that one for sure. That's very preventable. That's something that needs to be taken care of immediately that should have already been taken care of. They need to be having the right things in place. Your employees need to be trained on what it needs to look like so that if it's not in place, they don't need to use it. There's no bottom line that's important enough to do something that is not safe. I, sorry, sorry, business owners, put the safeguards on. You need to protect your employees. They need to know that that's not something that they should keep doing. And well, so, and the argument always is, but they can do it faster. Let me tell you what happens when you take the safeguards off of something to do it faster. Worst comp claim, one of the worst comp claims I've ever seen in my life personally, and it was before I was even in the insurance industry. I was running the service desk of the grocery store I was managing on a Wednesday night because that's the night the store manager had to close because that's when the end of the week happened. So all the accounting and everything had to be wrapped up and shut down by the end of the night on Wednesday. And so the store manager was responsible because I had to sign off on all of it. And I'm standing there at the service desk and I'm like five deep And every register that we had open was also two or three deep. It was just one of those nights. And the next thing I know, I see one of my meat cutters coming up from the back. He is wearing his meat jacket and it's like pink, more pink than it should be. And it's fading from pink to red and it's getting worse. And the next thing I know, I look and this guy, one of the things that you do, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make you wait a little bit before I tell you what actually happened. One of the things that you do in the grocery industry to make money is get the most out of everything that you can. So a lot of the times you may cut like eye of round roast or things like that. And if the coloring doesn't look exactly right, or, you know, if two pieces of meat are in the same package and they touch each other, sometimes they turn a color or whatever. So sometimes if it's just an ugly piece of meat, you take it and you make it into cube steak. You run it through the cuber and it smashes it and cubes it and puts it in the package and it doesn't look bad anymore because all cube steak looks bad but tastes delicious. So this guy was given a couple of trays of cuts to turn into cube steak and he decided to take the plastic guard off the top of the meat cuber. Well, a meat cuber is literally a series of three gears that all turn together so that when you put the meat down through the guard, it grabs it and it pulls it through and it cubes it. He had taken the plastic guard off the top of the meat cuber and his jacket, his white meat coat got caught in it and it drug his whole hand, his whole arm up to the wrist, up past the wrist into the meat cuber so that a mangled mess was at the bottom and everything else was still inside. He had to go and they had to disassemble the meat cuber for them to be able to even get it off of him. You can't just reverse it and pull it off. So here's the thing. That guy missed how much time at work. 
he didn't finish his shift that night. Is it really faster to bypass the guarding? No, it's not. He put the store at a disadvantage. First and foremost, he had a horrific injury and will never be right again in that hand. And I feel terrible for him for it because anybody can make a stupid mistake. Nobody should have to have that happen. But that's what happens when you don't follow protocol. But more important, you know, not more importantly, but the store lost revenue. The store lost profitability because now we have a claim and that got charged back. I didn't get my safety bonus. And again, none of that is nearly as important as the fact the guy got injured. But there was a chain reaction effect and he was out of work for over a month. That's not faster. And that's what that's what employers don't understand. It might seem faster. It's only faster if you get away with it and you don't have an injury happen as a result. But other than that, it's always going to be a longer time frame. The other thing I think that you notice when you go through loss runs, there's a couple of things that it ties directly into what you're doing. Number one is descriptions. If the descriptions aren't there, then we know intuitively these clients don't have an accident reporting process. And that's one of the first things we're going to get them to do. The other thing is if they have a lag time issue. We also know there's an accident and an incident reporting process, and we got to get lag time fixed, which is one of the reasons why Zenjuries is so valuable to us, because if we can get them onboarded there, that's going to fix the information issue and it's going to fix the lag time issue. And I love the fact that the Zen Pro is the one that's basically sitting back orchestrating all of this stuff. And all I got to do is read it at a high level, but just knowing through preparation that, wow, I mean, this company averages 11 days on reporting workers' comp claims. That's not good. I wonder why they have a 1.7 mod, right? Or there's not a description of what happened, just a, a, a very vague uh, little bit. That's not the insurance company. That means that the company that we represent doesn't have a process to get the information and report it accurately. I'm not even going to get into investigations of both accidents and incidents and what they do with their safety committee and do they discuss these things? And if they do, do they come up with recommendations on who's responsible for implementing? I'm just talking about surface level stuff that you can get from reading the loss runs. And so by taking the time to prepare, you know, we were able to have a conversation about everything going on in that account so that you were ready to go in and do your portion of it when we met with the client. And I had a serious peace of mind that you knew exactly what was going on because you had done your you had done your work. So I think preparation is key. Did, did is there anything you left out of what you do to to make sure you're ready going in? Uh, no, I think that was really it. I think that like the main thing, kind of to touch on like what you were commenting on, is that you really have to not necessarily convince, but shine the light that just because you have a short term idea of what's going to happen that is just not realistic you have to look for the long term and like even though you may think that it's quicker long term there are consequences if that's the the route you're going to take and and kind of vice versa on the track of i mean it's not like flipping a switch of being able to to use all these platforms it's not hard it's not difficult but it is a process and it can be overwhelming but it's only on the short term. And then once you get past that long term, it you idle and it's a lot less work. It's there's a lot of stuff that's automatic and it just improves tenfold. So I really try to focus on making sure that we point those things out and then 
kind of provide the map of what it looks like going forward. Yep. That's how we do it. And guess what? If, if it's something that's outside of Abby's skill set, we go and use Yellowbird. We can outsource to Michael Zal's company and they can come in and they have experts in almost anything loss control and risk management that we need. And it's awesome to be able to bring them in and use them for that stuff. So I think that's probably a pretty good place to wrap up. We've given them about an hour of content across the last couple of episodes. We can get more later. So I want to thank you for coming on. You did a great job for your first couple of episodes of the podcast, but we're going to keep bringing Abby back and I'm going to put her on this a little bit and have her come up some with some topics for us to discuss. And who knows, maybe I'll let her turn the, turn the tables and interview me for the next couple of them with questions she has, because she has a lot of questions. She has questions and she doesn't mind asking them. I'm absolutely cool with that. But I think that if you do, Abby, I think you would be, you would be great at interviewing me with a lot of the stuff that you ask and it's great content to share with everybody else. So thanks for uh, trusting me that this was not going to be a horrific experience and jumping on today. You did an awesome job. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if you're inviting me back to ask you questions, I will start writing them down. <laughs> I know for a fact you will show up prepared. That's all I know. <laughs> Everybody, we'll catch you next time. See ya. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes